Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. This is part two. Go ahead, get your hopes up. My agenda, it's very simple. I want to get your hopes up. I want you to get hoping a lot stronger than what you are. So These songs that we sang are about that. They're hope-filled songs. Our God uh, doesn't fail us, and, uh, and uh, hallelujah, all these songs. They're, they're really geared to complement the message, which we want you to get your hopes up. You say, why, why do you want me to get my hopes up? Because if I get my hopes up and whatever it is that I'm hoping for doesn't materialize, then I'm set up for a, a letdown. I'm going to have an unrealized expectation. Nobody wants that. The best thing for me to do is not to have any hope at all. Well, you're wrong because, because hope is a part of faith. Now, faith is, uh, Hebrews 11 uh, says this, says, now faith is the substance of what? Of things hoped for. No hope, no faith. Do you understand that? Faith is an integral part, uh, hope, rather, is an integral part of faith. With no hope, you don't have a basis for faith. So you have to have something that God's shown you that you're looking forward to, not just a pipe dream, not just anything, but when you get into God's Word, He starts to generate imaginations of a preferable future. He starts to give you direction. He starts to show you places you can minister to people. You start to get inspired, and that hope starts to rise up. Then faith grabs a hold of that. We looked at last week, we talked about the fact that hope is like a rope. Hope is the rope of faith. So you grab a hold of that rope called hope, and, and you're pulled into the faith of God, and God then starts to materialize what it is that he's shown you that you hope for. And that's the, that's the way that the process works with hope. Get your hopes up. Get them up. Don't get your hopes up is what people will tell you. They'll say, don't, just don't do that. Don't do that to people, especially preachers. Don't, get, don't, don't want to get people's hopes up when it comes to healing or, or whatever. But hope simply means this. It means something to look forward to. No feelings of hope, no hope, no anticipation. Nothing to look forward to. That's a terrible life to live, and God would not have that. Now, everybody's born with something in life that they don't deserve. This is a fact. Something that you're born with, that you pick up, that you didn't deserve, it's not your fault. Uh, well, people don't choose, for instance, to be poor, to be born in a third world country. Most of us had no choice. In fact, all of us had no choice where we were going to get born. We had no choice into what family we were going to get born into. If you're family is mean and your family's a family of criminals or your family's very rich and successful, your family believes or they don't believe, whatever religious persuasion, you had no say in that. Nobody does. Out of the billions of people on the planet, our circumstances of, of origin are, are not our, we're, they're dictated to us. We don't get a choice in that. A lot of us are born into situations where we need hope because we weren't handed that. We didn't choose to be poor. We didn't choose to be handicapped. We didn't get a choice to be hurt uh, the way that we started out. The problem is that if we let this continue on and we don't break this cycle and we don't break this with, with hope, then these things will define us. 
They begin to define you. You begin, you begin to be defined. Like in the Bible, uh, one man was defined by the man with the withered hand. The, the lame that man that was laid by the gate, beautiful, we looked at that last week, who was healed. He was defined by that. He was born that way for about 40 years. They laid him every day in front of a beautiful gate. It was an ugly situation, his situation. He was not an ugly person. He just had a bad thing happen to him. He was born lame. How he was born lame? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say whether he was dropped or some misfortune happened with his mother. It doesn't say, but that was defining his life until hope showed up in the, in the form of two men, Peter, Peter and John. And they said, silver and gold we don't have, but such as we have, give we to you. And it said that he was expecting to receive something, money, of course, but he got healing. The man with the withered hand, the beggar, all of these things. Now, in Proverbs 13, 12, it says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Somewhere in between hope when you first get that and it's deferred, somewhere in between there is really like a no man's land. You've got to walk, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. We, we, you just got to keep walking. You just got to keep on walking. If you're walking through a valley, it's only a valley because there's mountains on either side of it. If you keep on walking, you'll end up walking up a mountain again, and the view will be spectacular again, and God will uh, reignite something in your life. But you've got to put one step in front of the other and keep your hopes up. Don't don't die in the middle of that valley because it's a valley with a shadow of death. It's not, nobody's been killed by a shadow yet that I know of. And so we need hope. Hope is a doorway to faith. Hope says that there is more when your situation says there's less. Hope moves your promise closer to your probability. Hope means this. It means to regard as probable the improbable. Hope looks forward to. It's a feeling of anticipation, expectation, something desired. Now, I like the fact that our God is a God of overtime. One thing that I don't like is our sports that, that have a tie. Like even soccer, and I don't really like soccer all that much or properly call it football. It is proper football. It's played with the feet after all. Uh, American football is not football at all, but they call it that for some reason. I don't know why when it's predominantly played with a hand. Figure that one out. Uh, but soccer or proper football, at least they have a shootout. They have a tiebreaker. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. I don't like sports that have a tie. Oh, who won? Oh, it was a draw. Are you kidding me? Somebody's got to win this thing. I don't like draws. Our God's not into a tie with the devil. Somebody's going to win, and it's him, and it's you. There's no tie out of this thing. We go to heaven. It's not, well, you know, you're going to be in limbo for eternity, purgatory, or whatever uh, theological thing that somebody dreamed up. There's winners and there's losers, so to speak, and I'm on the winning side. How about you? And I like the fact that if it's, if it's looking like a tie, well, God just throws it in the overtime. If it's looking like whatever it is that you're promised is going to end up 
you're going to be distract, you're going to be discouraged, you're going to have a, you're set up for a letdown, all of that. No, my friend, keep on going because God will throw your life into overtime. It's not over yet. Do you understand that? I love the word yet. We're going to talk about that. It's not over yet. I think sometimes we make up really bad doctrine. I would, I would almost say heresy, but technically it probably doesn't, uh, it probably isn't heresy, but it's really bad doctrine because we don't get something when we expect it and there's a delay. We make up something to discount it and explain it away. Think about this for a moment, but, but think of a, a disease that medical science has solved or cured. Now, I think about smallpox. Uh, malaria has a cure. It's not eradicated, but it has a cure. There, there are a lot of, a lot of diseases that, that have a cure. But what if you were talking to somebody before the cure was discovered, and they're working really hard to work out a cure, cure for smallpox, but they, they haven't got there yet? And you said to that doctor that was trying, really working hard on it, well, I guess doctors are just allowing this to teach us a lesson. The doctor would go to you or the medical people would go, no, 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 we're not, we're not allowing it. We just, haven't, we just haven't found a cure yet. We are working on it, but we haven't cured it yet. The game's not over Yet, I really believe that that word yet is one of hope's greatest words. You need to get that word into your vocabulary. Whatever it is that you're facing, get your hopes up because it's not over yet. Are you still alive? Are you here this morning? Are you breathing this morning? Then it's not over yet. If you were to go back in time and say that to one of those doctors, I guess doctors aren't very good people because they're allowing all these things to happen. They are working on a solution. They just haven't found it yet. Yet we stick that with God. God's trying to move us through this situation. He doesn't put a carrot out there, dangle it in front of you, and then go, ha, ha, I got your hopes up, didn't I? Now you're going to suffer even more. That's not God. God is good. Do you understand that? Somebody said this. God is good all the time. All the time. Come on. God is good. He's good, true, and true. He said to the rich young ruler, why do you call me good? Nobody's good but God. In other words, if you're going to say, Jesus, if, if you're going to say that I'm good, you better acknowledge who it is that you're talking to. There are a lot of good people, but nobody truly, truly good but God. And God doesn't torment you. He doesn't torture you. He wants you to get your hopes up because he wants you to keep walking into faith. If you keep your hope up long enough, you cannot help it, my friend. You will, you will run smack into faith. You'll be swallowed up by faith, and you'll see that thing come to pass. I am here to get your hopes up this morning about something that God has promised out of his word or God has shown you. I really, really am here for one motivation and one agenda this morning. Get your hope up. Yeah. Now, in John chapter 11, this is a classic. There, every, every, pretty well every 
account in the Bible, every biblical account is an opportunity to demonstrate what we're talking about right now, about getting your hopes up. It doesn't matter if it's the woman at Zarephath and the prophet comes to her and he says, give me something to eat. She says, oh, I've got a couple of sticks and a little bit of flour, a tiny bit of flour, a little bit of water, and we're going to eat it, me and my son, then we're going to go die. Give that to me first, he says. And then you can go and do whatever. And so she gives it, he gets something to eat, and then blessings start to happen, and food starts to multiply. Fishes and loaves start to multiply in a wilderness from practically nothing. All of a sudden, it's feeding a multitude of people. It's God is into getting your hopes up. Make no mistake about that. And here we find in John chapter 11, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany. Bethany is really close to Jerusalem. Been there, honestly, you could, you wouldn't even break a sweat running from Bethany to Jerusalem. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. Then a side note, verse 2, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Do you remember her? A whole year's wages of perfume she poured, and Judas got all upset about that. Could have been given to the poor. He just wanted to steal that money. And so the sisters, it says, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I want you to make a note of that because there's something there that's very peculiar that sets something about hope that I want to uh, to give you. Verse 4, and when he heard this, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and and Lazarus. Verse 6, he loved them so much. Don't you love this? So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was two more days. <laughs> I love you so much. Your son is sick. Yes, I am the healer. I love you so much. I'm just going to delay showing up for two more days. What is it? Something about hope. And, and, I, and I really want you to get this, that God's love for us always comes before our love for him. Notice the order here. The one you love is sick. Not the one who is sick, my brother, do you love him. But the one that you love, the one that you love, the the love of God is established so much in their hearts because they've spent time with Jesus, that they put love first. The basis of this is you love him, he's got a problem called sickness. Not our brother is sick, do you love him? Are you going to do something about this? His love was never in question. Sometimes we don't have hope in the things that God shows us because we don't have a firm handle on the fact that the love of God is established. God loves you intensely. He loves you so much. You are the apple of his eye. How could you ever doubt anything? How could you ever doubt? Why would you get your hopes down in a God that loves you? The one who you love, we've established that. The love is the foundation of hope. The one that you love. By the way, he's sick. Sometimes when 
there's a delay. And there was a delay here, and it's pretty open as to why, and it was so that God would be glorified. He had to actually die, then God could be seen as the resurrection of the dead. He says, I, I don't just raise the dead, guys. I, I am the resurrection. I'm the life. You know, who you're looking at right now and talking to, he doesn't just raise the dead. He is the resurrection uh, from the dead. I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. I am love. All of these things. I am good. All of these, these things are not just attributes of God. They are true and true who God is in his character. And if you doubt the love of God for you and you think that God's going to let you down and God's out there to torment you, then your hope is going to be deferred and your heart is going to get sick. The cure to a, a, a sick heart, a heart that's, that's had hope deferred, is get established in love. God, you love me so much. I am so... Uh, I'm so aware of that. I've, I've got such faith in the love of God that no matter what happens after that, I'm not going to doubt that. It's so important to see that, loves, that, that God's hope is based, your hope is based upon the love of God. He is for us always, and it always comes before our, even our love for him. Even though the problem seems to have come first, the problem is always second. God's love is always first. God's love always precedes your problem. Love never fails. Therefore, your problem is never permanent. You should write that down. Because love never fails, your problem cannot possibly be permanent. Whenever you experience, whenever your, our, our experience is contradictory to the expectation of God, then we're about to get a revelation of God. I always look at that. I think, my experience seems to not line up with my expectation here. Why is that? And if you are way through that, not questioning the love of God, not, not saying that God's setting you up with unrealized expectation, but where your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, you are about to get a revelation of how good God is and how, how much God loves you. And when it's all said and done, you'll look back and you'll go, okay, now I get it. I, I understand now. I know what it took, and I, I've learned something. Now I can impart that because love never fails. Now the big revelation that I want to give you this morning and uh, all of this really is just an introduction, is that when God is in the trap with you, you're never trapped. Some of you feel like you're like in a fiery furnace with those, like those three Hebrew boys, but there was a fourth man in that furnace. And when they walked out, there wasn't even the stench or the smell of smoke on their garment. They walked out of there totally unscathed because the fourth man in the fiery furnace was like of the Son of God. When you are in a trap, when you are feeling trapped, be aware of this, that God's not out there somewhere. He's in there. Because he's in you and you're in the trap, guess what? God's in the trap with you. Whatever situation, you know, I'm between a hard place and a rock right now, Pastor Ed. Good, because God's between that hard place and that rock with you because he's in you. Do not ever be God outside-minded. Be God inside-minded. The Bible says it's Christ 
in you that is the hope of glory, not Christ out there somewhere. Listen to me. Your hope is not out there somewhere floating around the cosmos where you have to chase it down and grab a hold of it. Hope is not circumstances. Hope is a person. Our hope is in the Lord, and the Lord is on the inside. If you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, hello, into your heart. Where? Into your heart. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess him as Lord. Lord over what? Lord over every situation that you're facing right now. He is the Lord over that situation. He is the Lord over that circumstance. You are. You might feel trapped, but he's in the trap with you. He's in the furnace with you right now. Get God inside. Get hope on the inside of you. Now it says in Ephesians 3.20, listen to this. This should absolutely cause you to jump out of your skin. It is so good. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able, talking about God. Is God able? Yes, Pastor, I believe God is able. What is God able to do? What's, where, is, where does God's ability end? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That means everything that you could possibly hope for, more than that. He is able to do more than that. That's why I'm saying, get your hopes up, for goodness sakes. According to, oh, and this is the kicker, according to his power that is at work, out there somewhere. Chasing it down, Pastor Ed. I, you know, I, I'm just, I'm still going for it. That carrot's out there somewhere uh, called God's promise, and I'm still going for it. I'm running. <laughs> I'm still going, Pastor Ed. I'm still going for uh, Bit dramatic. <laughs> for a reason. For a reason. I'm going to read this again because... This is so good. Now to him who is, start from the beginning, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power, not your power, my friend, that is at work within you. Do you understand that? He's not just working on your situation out there. We have a situation mentality that God is working. We've got songs about that. God is working out there somewhere. He's working on my boss to change their mind about me. He's making my boss think that I'm a hard worker when I know that I'm not. But God's working. He's working to deceive them. He's working to make them think that. God is going to take my lousy investment in that Ponzi scheme and cause it to flip around so that I get rich off somebody else's money. God's working out there, friend. No, he's not. He's working in you. That's what God is actually doing, immeasurably more than what you could even ask or imagine. God is working in you right now saying, get your hopes up because I'm more, I, I am, a, my ability, you couldn't even exhaust the ability of God. Come on, seriously? If you tried to exhaust God's ability, you could never find the end of it. He is able to do immeasurably, you can't even measure that one, immeasurably more than what you could even ask 
Or imagine, ask and imagine is another way of saying hope. Get your hopes up. Come on. You know, we experienced this, Gail and I, I could tell you one after the other of times where we experienced that. The, our son coming next week is a product of that. We wanted to have a child, and it just looked like it was just never going to happen. We had, you know, a, a real journey to go through. If you, you've got children here and you think, Gee, you know, these children, it's just terrible. They're a blessing, man. You have no idea what it took us to get a child. Enjoy your children, believe me. They're ne never a curse. They might cost you a bit of money, but God will get you that money. Get your hopes up. Uh, you've, got a, you've got a heritage from God if you've got children. We couldn't have a child. We waited too long, and it just looked like a hopeless situation. And Gail would get pregnant, and it was like, oh, no, here we go again. I don't even want to get my hopes up. Should we tell anybody? No, I won't tell anybody yet. And, uh, you know, it just, got to, it just got ridiculous until God got a hold of our hearts, and we started getting our hopes up. We started going, God, you're, you're immeasurably, you're able to do this. Come on, God, you know we want a child. You know how much my wife loves babies. Are you serious? You know, for her to never have a baby, and she loves babies more than anything. The reason that you have hope where there is no hope is because you have hope. You go, oh, Pastor Ed, did you just make a mistake? No. The reason that you have hope where it looks like there is no hope is because you have hope. See, hope is, a, if you don't get anything out of this message other than this, hope is a person, my friend. If you've got Jesus, you've got hope. Do you understand that? The reason that you can hope where there is no hope is because you've got hope. Hope, hope get, get a hold of this. Come on this morning. Get a hold of it. It's not out there somewhere. He, he's, it's a, he's a person, and he's in you. According to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or think or desire, according to him working in you. That's where hope comes from. That's why it's okay to get your hopes up. Now, what would happen if you believe that God's able to give you more, would it be wrong for you then to hope for more? Would, would, would you limit a limitless God by saying, oh, Pastor Ed, I, you know, I, I don't want to get my hopes up. Well, then limit a limitless God then. Why would God say for you to, and I'm going to give you some other scriptures to back this up so you can look these things up in your Bible and get a hold of hope, my goodness. If you believe that God's able to give you more, would it be wrong for you then to hope for more? Of course not. There's no point in approaching God for something if it makes no difference as to the outcome. God not only has the ability to bless you with more, he has the desire to bless you with more. Mark 11, 24. I'm going to read this out of two different uh, versions. Therefore, this is Jesus talking, therefore I tell you, this is so good. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Come on, get your hopes up for goodness sakes. In the King James Version, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, 
When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Psalm 37, I'm just going to read three to six here. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Verse four, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noon day sun. That is the God of hope that lives on the inside of you, not out there dangling a carrot in front of you. That is the word of God. Are you going to believe that or are you going to reject that? Choice is yours. Listen to this, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. In case there be any doubt. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Get your hopes up for goodness sakes. So hope moves us, and it moves us, I believe, from a place of passiveness, from a, a, a place of wishfulness, if you will. He wants to move you from want. He wants to move you into warfare. We have to fight. We have to fight the good fight of faith. We also have to fight the good fight of hope. This thing is not just going to come to you as you're dwelling upon your situation. You, you feel so hopeless, and you're not acknowledging who it is that lives on the inside of you, and you're not getting into the Word, the promises of God, and there's no desire from God fueled in your heart, no faith fuel, no hope fuel. These things are not just going to fall in your lap. You've got to fight for this one, okay? You, you've got to get out and get your hopes up purposely every day. I start out thinking, okay, God, like, what is it right now? now that I can ask that, that's immeasurably from the immeasurably more that, who is able to do more than I could even ask or imagine. I've got to get my ask way up there. I've got to get my desire right up there. I, I get to get my hopes as high as I could possibly take these things and, and, and watch God. Watch God on the inside. He starts to stir something up. I know when I'm hoping right because all of a sudden there's just an excitement that comes. It's like this is going to be a great day. This is a great life. Something more than I could even ask or imagine. The desire on the inside of me, he says, I'll give you that desire, the God of hope. Ask, you have not because you ask not, but you, come on. How wonderful is our God, amen? John 15, 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. See, this is not outside, this is inside. If you remain in me, and I in you, Jesus talking, you will, not maybe, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're, if you're here, and you got no hope, and faith is just a nasty word that people level at people who don't get answers to prayer, or maybe you're one of them, I want you to shift this morning and get God inside-minded. You're in him. He's in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you remain in Jesus, you will bear much fruit. Question, are you in Jesus? If you are, then get your hopes up. You will bear much fruit. And why? Because somebody else is depending on you. This is not something that I do just for Ed. There are a whole lot of people in my life that I intend to eat from the fruit that God causes to come out on my tree of life. What about you? I don't want to live my life just so I can get what I want and, you know, houses, cars, whatever. It's, 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 it's useless if it's not going to bless other people and they can't come and eat off your tree. So get it settled. You need to do this and get your resolve and your hopes up because somebody out there needs you, whether that's in a faraway country, on a mission field where people are praying right now for some finances to flow or somebody to come and visit or in our own backyard where there's desperate situations. I've got to get my hopes up so that somebody else who doesn't have their hopes up can meet Jesus and get Jesus, the God of hope, on the inside of them and they go Go, they can go and pray, and maybe they are already praying, and this church and you sitting here right now and me preaching right now are the answer to their prayer. God in me moves me to go out and meet that need. He is the vine. I am, I'm in the vine. We're the branches. Come on. God wants us to be bearing much fruit, and he's on the inside, so get your hopes up for somebody else, not just for you. Amen? Well, I want you to uh, close your eyes, if you wouldn't mind. You say, why? Just to have a bit of an intimate time with God. Your life is a divine intersection with everybody you come in contact with. Your work is a divine intersection. Going to the store is a divine intersection. Your offering is a divine intersection. And I want you to see beyond your need. See the need beyond the need. See the need beyond your seed. See the seed beyond the seed. We all do our part and we all fall apart. The trend line of your life trends up or down according to your hope. You're either heading up according to your hope and your expectation of the God that's able to do immeasurably more than you could even imagine or think or ask, or your life is trending downward. I'm believing for loved ones to get saved. Somebody here is believing for a better job. Maybe you're here, you're believing for healing. You want a pay rise. You want to find your lifelong partner. You want to have a family. You want to break a long habit. You need hope. Many of you are standing with me and you want this church to explode with souls to reach this community, to grace the nations. We need hope. Some are hoping for a better marriage. Whatever it is, this morning God knows because he's in you right now. He's with you. He is the way for this to happen. He's not a way. He is the way for this to happen. So let's look inside of our heart right now. We're just about out of time, but I I want you to do this. I'm going to ask you the question, are you here this morning and you don't have Jesus into your heart? You've never asked him into your heart. If that's you, you know I'm talking to you right now. 
This is not condemnation. This is hope itself right now. If I ask you the question, are you going to heaven? If you say, well, I, I kind of hope so. Well, that hope needs to move into another realm in you right now called faith in Christ Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. So we're going to pray in a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to move from that hope that's on the inside of you to faith so that you can know that Jesus Christ is your Lord this morning. Amen. For others, if any of those things that I mentioned for a pay rise, a better job, children, a better marriage, any of these things, for our church to grow and explode, I hope that you're with that, in that with us. For any of these things, I want you right now to look inside your heart. Just ask the question, is the God of hope there? for you to grab a hold with him in partnership and help this thing through into fruition. You will bear much fruit, my friend. You will. You will. If you're engrafted into the vine, you will. It has to happen. I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you've not asked Jesus into your heart, pray it out loud and mean it. Say, Dear God, I ask your son to come into my heart right now. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.